0: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Talking Toro podcast. Uh, Peter, a 4-0 defeat against champions-elect Napoli. Is this what you were expecting or did you did you come away from the game with a little bit of disappointment of,
1: of what could have been? I guess there was inevitability about it. We've had a few pastings, as we discussed last week, against Napoli in recent seasons. Um, probably wasn't quite expecting the meek performance we got in the capitulation, uh, but effectively, what happened on Sunday was uh, Na- Napoli came to Turin. They got they booked a venue, uh, they they got the keys to a venue, a free bar and food, and we tied it up after them. So um, I don't think they'll get a better better Scudetto party than that. So yeah, the whole day was a was a little surreal, and I know that there's a lot of differing opinions on it. I think first and foremost to see, um, I guess when, when the broadcast started and you see the full stadium, you think, oh, wow, it's, that stadium does look quite nice when it's, when it's full. I think it hides a full, a full crowd hides some of the kind of imperfections in that stadium. Uh, obviously I was aware that Na- uh, Napoli had sold a lot of tickets. There's also been issues where their fans have not been able to go to away games recently, uh, which wasn't the case here in terms of, way section being open but what what you had is you had 8-9 thousand Napoli fans in the crowd um, I think on one hand I haven't read any reports of trouble and that you know the, the two sets of supporters could coexist uh, relatively peacefully by by all accounts so on that on that sense I have an issue with it and also if the Napoli fans hadn't bought up the tickets I think there would have been empty seats there may be one or two Torino fans who didn't go to the game because they didn't want to be in a um risk of an atmosphere uh with lots of Napoli fans in the um in the Tribuno or in in the, the kind of areas and but on the other hand it was a bit it was a bit tin pot to have um you know to have a lot of uh, blue shirts and blue flags in in the home area. It didn't felt particularly well managed. I don't think it was a good look as a one off I can live with it but it has happened in recent seasons against Milan and Inter as well, not to the same extent. Um so that was I think that just set the tone really. Um and then in terms of the match, what I felt what was really noticeable to me was Napoli started off really strong in both halves. They looked to get a goal quite early in both halves, which they did. And between I think there was a fifteen minute spell in both halves, definitely more the first half where they sat back and Torino really should have scored in that first half and it. It would have changed the complexion of the game a little bit. We would have had a different game, uh, but what, I think the second goal, uh, stupid challenge by Linetti, um, that 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 kind of swiped the legs from under us, really, and and it was a bit of a non contest after that. And I'm going to hold my hands up, uh, Torino. Uh, you said Torino gave up at four nil, while I gave up at four nil because I watched the game on the recording. Uh, so at four nil, I was just like, I I can't, I. I I kind of fast forwarded the the last thirty minutes. Um, thankfully, in the Noble goals, I did think this is going to be five or six. Um, but so I don't know what I missed in the last half hour. I don't think it was very much. No, I think uh, I think if it was a
0: cricket match, I think Napoli would have declared. I think they were uh, quite happy with their four 0 and their uh, their hosts had uh, treated them very nicely, and they were happy to to go back down south.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it was the shame is. Uh, the international break has come, so we've got uh, and our match against Sassuolo is not till Monday evening. So a typical Toro, would have left us two weeks and a day to stew, to stew on this result. It was a bit of a kind of you could have done it with a midweek set of fixtures or something just to forget about this match. It, it is what it is. We said I kind of said last week, free hit. It's gone now. It'll be the hardest match we face this season, um, and yeah, let's try and we have slipped down the table a little bit on goal difference as well. Uh, but I think, yeah, we've got like a third of the season left or effectively what looks like a third of the season left. So let's try and try and regroup we've got players coming back from injury and try and forget about this as quickly as possible, I, I, I would suggest. Yeah,
0: I think just going back onto the, um, the amount of Napoli fans in the home ends, I bought my ticket for the Roma game in sort of a couple of weeks' time and you were unable to buy... A ticket unless if you were from sort of sort of regions close to Rome, so that m- almost makes me wonder how on earth the Napoli fans uh, managed to buy the tickets. Whether they uh, were just people from Naples who live now in sort of Turin, I know from my trips to Turin, you would get a lot of people who supported Napoli in the areas, just people who've sort of moved for work or 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 anything. So it could be that these would be actually just Napoli fans who just. Lived in Turin, and obviously they would they would always then they would almost explain it a little bit more that they're willing to pay a little bit extra to be in the tribuna and the distinzi than, and they wouldn't get your normal away ticket, which it will probably be reserved for your sort of hardcore Napoli fans who go go to every game. But um yeah, I think it's like I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's a shame that the stadium did almost look like a Napoli promotion party, but I don't think had those tickets been not picked up by Napoli fans I don't think they would have been purchased because they're sort of 60 70 euro tickets so I can almost understand the logic in milking the situation and getting as much money as possible but it's not something that say that was a towards the end of the season and Torino really needed a victory to to get into Europe or something like that or if it's say it was a cup game and and a similar thing happened I don't think people would be as sort of understanding of the situation where you sort of put money ahead of your atmosphere and your home advantage which we sort of sacrificed in that game Um, on the pitch uh, I thought I I thought Napoli were very good I thought they just looked like champions they looked looked like a team where everybody knows what they do in their their job Osterman and uh, Cabaret Scalia they're Probably, again, I think I said it on, on Twitter, I think they're the two best players in the league. And the, if, obviously, given their Champions League draw, you would expect them to probably play the two Milan clubs in the quarterfinal and the semi-final. Judging on the league, you'd imagine them to get, get past those and then they're likely going to be in a Champions League final, which, given the situation that Italian football found itself in in the last couple of years, is pretty remarkable. Um So I think... You do almost need to tip your hat to the opposition on occasion. The frustrating thing is, yeah, we did have that spell in the sort of second half where I think it would have—I can't—I'm not hundred percent sure on the time scales, whether it was before the um, Linetti penalty or or just afterwards. But where Richie has the shot and and somehow hits the post from sort of two yards out, I do think that could have could have just given them a slight wobble um, and would have changed the game slightly in terms of. just whether Napoli again, we say it a lot, but they did have a Champions League game in midweek, and maybe they sort of what what seemed to be a sort of comfortable procession starts to be a, a bit more difficult. But yeah, I think I think it's one to sort of write off almost. It's it shows. I think we talked in the previous episode about Brivillian and and, and how well they've been doing. I think they were probably the two worst players and the first two players to get subbed. And I think it almost makes you think, well, actually, if we'd gone into that game with a full strength 11 and we'd gone with uh, Gigi and we'd gone with Illich, then maybe the game would have been a little bit more competitive, a little different. Um, and yeah, to end on a positive note, I thought I thought Vlasic, coming back for his first game for a while, was actually one of our better players. And again, in that, in that game against a, a clearly better opposition, somebody with his work rate and ability to sort of Continue running. I thought again, I thought most of our attacks came through him as well. Um so yeah, I think it was it was promising to see that he's going back into a little bit of form. Um and yeah, maybe with a in the in the next couple of games when we've got a full strength team on the pitch, then maybe we're not gonna see uh, such a such a, a beating again.
1: Yeah, no, you covered a lot of good points uh I Gravion and uh, Linetti I would have hooked at half time and I'm surprised They weren't. Uh, I thought it was the worst start to a match we've ever made under Juric. And a lot of that is to the quality and the pressing of the opposition. Like you said, they come from a Champions League match. I think they just went in, let's get a goal and let's manage the game. And they did exactly that. Um, Vlasic, I think Vlasic we've probably been a bit harsh on uh, in his absence. Partly because uh, Cara Madonna has done so well, but and also his form ha- wasn't very good either side of the World Cup. But he looked. Um, what I really noticed about him, having not seen him for a few weeks, was how good his awareness of his surroundings were at all times and how well he shielded the ball. He looked really good in that first half an hour, and then it was it was almost an impossible game to to play after that. Uh, I thought Radonjic did okay again. I didn't think his. I didn't. I didn't see the last. As I said, really much of the last half an hour, but certainly wasn't one of our worst players. Um, but yeah, it's like you said. I think we'll. Do you I think, think we'll draw, draw the line under the sand a little bit? Do you think I think Sheer struggled quite a lot, and
0: I think yeah, you've got to caveat that with against against Osman, who's one of the better strikers in in European football. I don't think he can read too much into it because Bremer had struggles with sort of. Milan Juric in the in the past seasons, so, and he, he obviously has gone on to be sold for 50 million. So I think almost like a learning experience that actually because Serie A probably doesn't have the quality of players that it would have had sort of 15, 20 years ago, some of these players almost get a bit of, um, they look maybe a, b- a bit better than they are, and actually having a lot, uh, almost a learning experience against like a truly world-class player isn't a bad thing because it actually sort of shows that, okay, I, I, I didn't really do well in this, in this aspect. I didn't do great in it, that aspect, but hopefully the next time that shes and, and Osman play against each other, if that happens, um he'll hopefully be able to sort of take, take from that what he's the sort of mistakes he made, especially for the fourth goal. I think he made it just a little bit sloppy. Um, and yeah, I think actually sometimes for a team, especially we we've been on a good run. we won the last two games with clean sheets almost relatively easily given how poorly the opposition played. It was almost a reality check to think actually we are still a million miles away from sort of the, the the top. But I mean, I'd say the top teams in the league, but I actually think there's Napoli and then there's probably four or five teams and then there's everybody else and then there's the bottom four teams. I think the actual difference in, in the quality of teams is is quite, in that mid-table region is, is quite minimal.
1: Indeed, and it was our biggest defeat since Nicola's Torino lost 7-0 to Milan, so, uh, which was almost two years ago. I actually looked at the teams that day and the Milan team was really not not that impressive on paper. I don't quite, sh- and the Torino team was not that bad either, despite it not being a great season. So, um, But yeah, I think we, we, we stick a line under the sand. It's, it's going to be a slightly strange week or so because um, only two other Serie A teams have more players away on international duty than Torino. We've got 14 players away. And bearing in mind that I don't think uh, Sanabria and Moranchuk um, are not going away. And you'd normally expect uh, Sanabria to be. And then Zima is injured. So in another scenario, we could have had 17 players away on international duty. And that would have been the, the most of any team. So. um. Yeah, you wouldn't say uh, our key players are going to get much of a rest over the next week, but it—I guess it—it it give, it gives them a, a, bit of a mental rest away from from club football. Um, I
0: think I think some players will get a rest because they won't actually
1: end up playing, but some players probably the travel is not going to be ideal. No, in, in indeed, um, and then you got yeah. I think you you wanted to talk a bit about the nazionale because you're. You are the founding member of the Alessandro Bongiorno fan club. We know that. He uh I, I think I made a joke about it a few weeks ago, him getting called up to the national team. And yeah, I'm not I'm not Roberto Mancini's biggest fan. Uh but he did call up Bongiorno. You've just told me he's not made the squad for, for the England match. But yeah, kind of recognition for his um uh well, I think for his relatively consistent performances over the last two seasons. the, but... the, cyn-
0: the cynic in me was say. Um... Would suggest that he's been called up because Alessandro Bastoni, I think, is injured, and Mancini wanted a left-footed centre-back. So but, harsh on Bongiolo, but, you? Really... No, I, I, I genuinely, uh, this, this is a misconception. I, I love a lot Alessandro Bongiolo. I just think that clearly, uh, <laughs> I just think sometimes he gets a bit of a free ride if he makes a mistake. In the same way that I remember the the grief and the uh, abuse that Kofi Gigi got at the beginning of last season, if he made a mistake. Whereas Bongiorno makes the same mistake and it's almost swept under the carpet. And I don't I don't dislike him. I'm happy to see him do well. I would have loved to, to see him play against England tonight. Um, but yeah, I still think that... I think we might have even asked on the part who was most likely to get a call-up between Richie and Bongiorno. And I'm slightly shocked that it's it's Bongiorno who's been given a, a call-up to the
1: to the main team it, and Richie's 21. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if Richie gets... Bumped up from the under-21s for the second match after some some injuries. I think he was probably borderline. Um, yeah, I mean, for anyone listening, Rob is off to Turin in a, in a few weeks for the Roma match. I'd say, if, is he going to Turin to watch Torino? or is he going to Turin to watch Bellotti? I'm not sure. 50-50, um, can 50, 50, 50, it? If they do open the Philadelphia, I look forward to a, a selfie with you and you and because I know you're into your selfies. So I do love, uh, I do love a then... selfie,
0: but yeah, not sure I'll uh, not sure I it. I'm only in Turin for three days, so might be a little bit pressed for time. But yeah, if I do see Bongiorno on the on the streets of Turin, I will. Uh, yeah, uh, as far as he's concerned, I'm his biggest fan. But no, I, I genuinely, I genuinely do what I always want. Players from the the academy to do well. I always want players who actually know what it means to represent Torino. I mean, part of me actually would like Ricardo Rodriguez to almost, we're obviously we're not too far away from, from the 4th of May and Superga. And obviously Rodriguez is nominally our captain. Personally, I think it would be a nice gesture for him to offer for, um, Bongiorno to, to be the, the, the person who reads the names out at the I would, uh,
1: memorial. I'd, I'd put a small wager on that happening because, uh, As we know, it's not the most talkative Ricardo Rodriguez. So we'll see, but um, I think we'll announce this is going to be a shorter pod this week, uh, but there is something exciting coming next week. Fear not. It's going to be the Easter quiz where uh, not only is my Port Vale playing Mesa's Portsmouth this weekend, but there is going to be a head to head between the two of us and Rob is going to be quizmaster. So that'll drop at some point next week. Um, so you will not be not be a missing fix of our dulcet Midlands tones during the international break. But Rob, I have just a little quiz question for you. As England play Italy, who was the last Torino player to score against England for Italy? Oh,
0: that is a very good question. I'm yeah. guessing it will be one of the goal twins. Indeed. I, Which in the, I'll go for, I think... Pulici would be the obvious answer. So for, go for Graziani.
1: Yeah. Well, you say Pulici would be the obvious answer, but, uh, it's quite of open to debate on a little bit of discussion on, on Torino players in that style. It is Graziani. Uh, he scored two in the Yankee Stadium, no less, uh, in a 3-2 win for England in 1976. So Graziani is actually the Torino player with most goals and appearances for the national team. Um, Whilst he, was
0: at, whilst
1: he was at yeah, Torino. Yeah, this, this, this is while they're at Torino. So 47, appearances, 20 goals. Had Belotti hung around, he was stuck on like 43. So probably if he'd hung around another season, he would have broken that record. He, or, or when he comes back. Or when he comes back. I think if and when he comes back, he will not be anywhere near the national team. But despite the fact that they're kind of scouring uh scouring Argentina, Ar- Ar- Argentina for, for anyone of a vague Italian sounding you got a vowel in your name. Okay. <laughs> um so yeah Blotti Blotti came close to the appearances. But then I the, uh, I looked at it and, and the periods where Torino had been successful that were all really successful, there was fewer kind of national you know national team played fewer matches. It's a lot easier to get a cap these days. But we we only have six players with over twenty caps look I mean this is on the resource I looked at. I'm not going to ask you to name them. It might be in your quiz next week. Um, but, it's, yeah, there was a kind of period where we had no kind of no one near the national team in, that kind of, in the kind of dark years at the turn of the century. And I guess under the last 10 years, I think there's almost, I wouldn't say almost always, but there's I feel like there's always been a Torino presence in the national team, whether it be a Balotti, a, a Sirigu, we've had, Ogbonner even as a Serie B player. We've had Churchi, Damian, Moretti, Tsu Ricci recently. Uh which is not. it is nice to see. Um and the funny thing with Pulici, Paulucci got a lot fewer caps at Torino than Graziani, which is a strange one because Paulucci was always the uh, always had the better numbers, I think, at, at Torino. So um but yeah, as our last Bongiorno will not, not be playing this evening, which is a bit of a shame. Um and yeah, Torino, I think we only have what, three Italians? If you even count Pietro Pallegri as a regular between Pellegri Ricci and Buongiorno, we don't have many uh, Italian players, so yeah, it will be um it'll be interesting to see if Euro twenty twenty four if Italy do make it. it. What the what what an if the Torino ter- kind of representation might be. I think it would be
0: quite a astute sort of transfer policy for Torino, much like the the of ricci is almost to to pick up a lot of the younger italian players from your smaller provincial clubs such such a, i know is a player you like at empoli um and whether that's quite a it would be quite a clever way i think of actually regaining a little bit of that italian identity into the team i'm not one of those people who's horrified that there's no italian players or if we named an 11 with no italian players i think that's just the way that the modern football has gone um, but yeah, it's not. It is a little like if you look at that Italy squad, you, you almost people might have been shocked to see that Italy didn't qualify for the for the World Cup in the summer and or last uh, so last year. Well, sorry, the Winter World Cup's totally throwing me. Whenever it was, yeah. <laughs> whenever yeah. the Winter World Cup was, it was last year, wasn't it? Um, so obviously, people were a little bit surprised by by Italy not like, qualifying. But then I think if you if you look at this squad, it is very, very lacking of, of quality in terms of, you've got a lot of older players there, you've got not many younger players um, who have really broke through like, even if you look at Nonto I think doing really well at, at Leeds he, the fact that he he left Zurich for 6 million euros and he was only signed as almost a, a backup replacement for uh, by Leeds on, on the final day why on earth was a uh, was the Serie A team, not look, looking at Nonto as being the perfect sort of profile. He was already in international it didn't cost too much money. Um, and yeah, and and now he's he's done well at Leeds and they're probably going if to, they, if they would sell him, they would probably quadruple what they paid for him um, after less than a season. So I think Torino have got a really good opportunity as being one of those sort of, now after two seasons of security, they're a solid mid table mid-table uh, Italian team. Um, and yeah, if there are younger players out there who we can identify, maybe if there's players who get relegated um, this season as well, um, we could be sort of a, a place that we can sort of sign them and, and let them sort of flourish and, and sort of develop. Because I think that's the the one thing we mentioned quite a lot in this podcast. You, in Italy, you have to be absolutely sensational to get uh, an appearance in the first team at sort of 17-18 unless you've you've played in the in the lower divisions on loan
1: you, you're not really given a given an opportunity to... if you look at the the forward options for Italy I mean I know Immobile is injured but I mean Grifo is is not someone who's who's played in Serie A who's I, I, I just don't think it's particularly as a forward player at the moment it's not particularly difficult to get a cap for Italy um, I think I mean, I think they'll probably
0: likely play with a with a false nine tonight against England. I think the the striking up, it's a, a big ask to ask somebody who doesn't even play in the in the league. Um, obviously, his teammates aren't really going to know, uh, talking about uh, Ritegui, but his teammates aren't really going to know his, his strengths and weaknesses. So I think actually the opportunity to maybe play just sort of three wide players and, and one of them as a, a false nine, most likely
1: Berardi, is probably what I'd imagine to see. Well, Baradi's a nice segue, because uh, I wanted to talk about him, because our next game is away um, at Sassuolo. This winds me up, because again, we're playing Sassuolo in an evening game, and I know I know it's going to be, is it going to be April, or is it still going to be March? It's not going to be a January evening game, but yeah, another evening game in, at Sassuolo where there's a risk of, of of mist and not being able to see anything. Um but yeah Barardi he's an interesting one because I look back at Torino's uh, obviously Torino and Sassuolo the history in Serie A only dates back to when Sassuolo first were first promoted in 2014 I think Barardi was part of that team he's been there nearly a decade and it's a funny one isn't it because he's achieved at Sassuolo pretty much what Bellotti achieved at Torino were both in that Euro squad we joke about talking to Sassuolo sometimes, and, and Sassuolo, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. I mean, playing for Torino is is certainly, in terms of history, in terms of prestige, and even in terms of the matches against the bigger teams, is going to be different than playing for Sassuolo. Just it's a funny kind of ambition he's had, and whether he's one of those players that like I always think of Milinkovic-Savic at Lazio, whether he's too pricey for. Team, teams to pick like Sassuolo's valuation on him, but I also think Sassuolo's relationship with Juventus, and even with Milan, I'm surprised he's not moved on. And I, yeah, I was looking at yeah, that entire time we played Sassuolo in Serie A, he's played 13 times, scored five goals. Um, Yeah, just, I, I just get to ask you about that. I mean, it's, it's a kind of strange loyalty in a way.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's got to be, I suppose
1: you've got to appreciate
0: it in, in on the one hand it's the sort of loyalty that we wish maybe i say we wish but lotto channel i think the probably the of this season might not have helped torino in any in any way at all and it just would have been maybe an expensive burden to carry but i think yeah you've got to appreciate the fact that he stayed that long i do wonder whether if sasuolo were more of a famous name whether people would find it so strange, maybe it's just because Sassuolo is not a traditional powerhouse of Italian football. From a very, very small um, town in Italy, they don't really sort of. If it was, if you think of almost like a totter in Italia Udinese again, who I think we might have missed out on our top twenty te- Italian teams when we did that uh, league table. But if it was somebody who was more a, a a historical name and had stayed there that long, I think we'd probably see it more as. Um, what great loyalty he's shown to that team whereas I think with Sassuolo you you almost think he's probably financially motivated and he's probably getting very well paid at Sassuolo and yeah I think you're right the teams probably haven't got enough money to attract to to make it an appealing um, transfer away, and also I think there are question marks about him, other ones about his sort of attitude and temperament, and and whether he would cope in in a system in in maybe not he always being a regular and, and being sort of a an option off the bench. And and again, if you if you think even the Euros, I, don't, I think he started the tournament very well, but then very quickly lost his place and and never really looked a threat again.
1: That was the, yeah, that was the, that was a criticism of, of him as a younger player. Certainly used to get a lot of red cards. There was a lot of petulance I think that did put people off. But I just wonder, I think he's a player who could have played Champions League level. Um, you know, you look at Milan, playing with, with Macias and, and, and people like that. It's, it's not to knock Macias, but I think Barati's probably a better player. I don't think Baradi's quite a good player. Some of the football hipsters out there think he is, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Also, our record. At Sassuano, I thought it was really good. Um, the away record, but I've, I looked at it. We won our first match there in 2014 when Immobile and Brighi scored, and we won last season when we absolutely dominated them and Piazza scored. And then there's been we've only lost once, and we've drawn. We've drawn all the others, which I think were like six matches. But we always seem to have a lead there. In all, my, in all but one game, we've taken the uh, we've we've taken the lead or ha- had the advantage in the match. There's a couple of injury time goals they've scored with 3-1 up with like five minutes to go a few seasons ago. Yeah, um, even even Marco Giampaolo almost managed to win. Yeah, so our record is, uh, I'd say uh, we've only two wins, but uh, only one defeat. And yeah, a lot of 1-1 draws in there where we've taken the lead and been pegged back. Um, obviously, the other thing I wanted to mention, this is classic... Uh, Cairo timing, you feel, but you know, Torino got a lot of criticism last weekend for the um, Napoli fans in the stadium. And I I put on, um, I clicked on Gazzetta della Sport this morning, and the main headline uh, when I was on was it was they have this annual thing of who has the most supporters in Italy. And I don't know how they calculate it because at Cagliari, always quite high up because cause they're an island, they're practically the sole team in Sardinia. And so there's kind of certain quirks in the, I, I don't know how they define a fan either, but. This is just a Serie A table. It just leads us on to Sassuolo. So, according to Gazetta, Sassuolo, the fourth worst supported team. So, Cremonese, Spezia, and an would would be relegated. So that's on, a, on it's surprised,
0: it. Surprises. It surprises me that um, Sassuolo seemed to have more fans than Spezia because obviously you've got quite a a big uh, area catchment area uh, in Liguria there. But yeah, I'm not quite sure how they've how they've worked
1: this out. No, I, I don't know if it's on. Um, like pay-per-view figures for television matches plus stadium figures. Plus- I like no.
0: I think they've gone to every single person, every single person in Italy. Somebody's
1: <laughs> gone to interview them and said who do you sport, and it's, yeah, taken, well, it's taken them fourteen years. Well, Torino apparently one of the teams who's have grown in supporters most over the last twelve months. Right. Um, we have yeah, we. Something like half a million Italians have declared Torino is their team, and so we're in eighth at the moment. Um, not in ninth anymore, our favorite favorite position. But above us are, uh, uh, yeah, Juventus, Milan, Inter, Napoli, Roma, Fiorentina, Lazio. Which yeah, you kind of you kind of expect. I think historically, Torino, Lazio, Fiorentina, may be quite similar. There might be times where one one is above the other. So yeah, I think it's complete complete BS. Personally, this thing. I don't know how they've calculated it, but but anyway. But this is published in, in Gazzetta Della Sport today, so it must be true.
0: Well, basically, basically surprised at three now, I'm a little bit higher, to be honest. But
1: no, so I can't remember. Are we? Are Because we, we're doing the quiz next week. Are we, we do a prediction for Sassuolo? We're we gonna have to do a prediction here.
0: Yeah, let's do. A, let's do a prediction for uh, Sassuolo. I, I mean, you've. I I seem to remember having. I can remember one of the games being called off because of the fog. I think that was in sort of. December, I think they they decided for us to play that game, and it got called off. Um,
1: they they've won four in a row. But they've won four in a row. By the way, they're on a really good run. Uh, it's a kind of run I quite like playing. T- uh, you know, teams who are on a good run because you feel like they're going to well, end it, and maybe the international break is also, yeah, yeah going to take their momentum. But
0: my logic is going to be that I'm going to predict a, a win for, who? Of, for Torino. Okay. So don't because because knowing my luck we won't win when I'm there against Roma, so I will think that maybe we'll win this one and then obviously maybe maybe my curse will will continue um, on on Easter Saturday. So I will go for I'm going to go for
1: three-one Torino. Well, so we are going to get those three goals this yep. time this season. All right, I'm I. Yeah, declared we should make a prediction without having thought of one. I' going to be influenced by you a bit, so I'm going to go for the classic one-one. Um, I think if you look to- at, I think if you look at my predictions, I think half of the games that I've predicted is one-one. <laughs> well, yeah, I I go one-one. I think Vlasic will score. I think we'll play well, but I think yeah, Berardi will probably score another penalty or something. Um, yeah, it's quite hard to judge with the international break and no real idea of who's gonna come back fit and that kind of thing. So yeah, so post Sasuolo, um uh, obviously well, have the, we'll have the quiz next week, um, and then a review of Sassuolo the week after. Then Rob, you're off to Turin. Um oh, indeed. to see to see your see your hero Bellotti. Um he he has one opportunity, I think, in Roma's next match to score his first league goal of the season before he inevitably does it. Um Against Torino, so I mean, where he'll
0: play is going to be the the uh, the sort of the big. Oh, this is, I, this I, is, I imagine this he'll is be.
1: Mourinho will make him captain for that match. I'm sure it'll be, it will be. Yeah, they will probably playing him at right back or something. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, no, I've just had a little look on the
0: predictions. I think if my calculations are correct, I've predicted Torino to draw nine times. One one. Do you know how many times that's actually happened? Whilst i when I predicted it. Whilst you
1: have predicted it, I'm going to say once. Correct. Okay, I think the law of averages suggests that it should be a lot higher than that, anyway. But yeah, well, yeah, the
0: prediction, the current, if, for anybody who is interested, possibly classic football shirts, because it might end end up with them making some money at the end of the season. Um, it's currently nineteen ten,
1: so including Napoli, yeah, it includes Napoli, yeah. And so 19-10. the so, so the prize is the loser buys the winner. A, a, well, get a caveat: not the Juventus shirt, by the way. <laughs> a Torino shirt from classic football shirts. And there may be a name and number on there um, of that person's probably knowing our kind of pathetic banter that uh, it will be the least favorite current Torino player whose name and number on back on the shirt. So, so, so uh, uh, <laughs> it's all a big bruise to get my dream of a Bongiorno shirt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I dread, I dread to think what well, you've got planned for me, a redundant special, but <laughs> a Voivoda. <laughs> I'm d- I
0: might, g- I might go, um, might go retro and go, get get for a Li- Lianco uh, on, a, on a on an Alterino shirt.
1: Oh, oh dear. Anyway, uh, enjoy Italy, England. Uh, join us for the quiz next week. I think you will be a format where you can, well, you're doing the questions, Rob, but I think it'll be a format people can play along with.
0: Yeah, that should that should be uh easy enough to do.
1: And uh, yeah, we'll see then. Yeah, we'll see who prevails and. Maybe I'll be doing the quiz in the summer, we'll see. That's uh Onwards and upwards Forza Toro.
0: Forza Toto.